Hello, everybody. This is Thomas Aaron, co-owner of Fetch Masters Dog Training and founder of Denver, Colorado's Positive Gun Dog Training Program. You are listening to the Fetch Masters Dogcast, where we talk about all things dog. Hi, everybody. Hope you had a fantastic weekend. Welcome to today's podcast. So you want to board and train your dog? Know this first. Hey, real quick before I move on, if I could ask a quick favor of you. If you're enjoying this podcast, could you please take a second and click your subscribe button, and we will make sure to let you know when new content is available. Also, could you please take a moment and write us a quick review on whatever platform you're listening to the Fetch Masters Dogcast on? Um, We like to know that we are being heard and we like to know that we're providing useful content that people want to hear. So if you can give us the feedback that we need via subscribing to us and writing us a review, we would greatly appreciate it. On the Fetch Masters website, there is a section dedicated to our board and train programs where you drop your dog off with us and we train it and give it back to you. But at the top of that page, there's a little note saying that due to COVID-19, we're not currently offering that program. And to be honest with you, I'm not sure that we're going to ever start that program back up. I'm going to talk a little bit more about why. But despite that note at the top of the page, we still get constant requests for our board and train services. And that's partially because our board and train services were so darn good. But I want to talk to you about our viewpoint on board and train now that we have COVID-19 between us and when we last offered board and train, and we've had time to retool our programs and kind of rethink things. So I saw an article the other day in which a trainer was discouraging people from choosing board and train for their dog. Oh, don't do it. It's so bad for this reason, that reason, and the other. You should never do board and train with your dog. Those pop up from time to time. And a lot of times those articles are written by trainers who have never done board and train or who can't afford to run a board and train. And so, you know, they're trying to promote their services, which is usually group classes or private coaching. On the other hand, if you have a trainer who does do board and train, they're going to tell you, you know, how successful it is and how much good they can do for you. So I feel like our viewpoint on board and train is particularly relevant because here's the deal. We can do a fantastic board and train. We know what it takes to do it. We know what the implications of it are. And we also know what it's like to do really well as a company without board and train. And so I feel like we can talk about this in a a balanced way with no ulterior motives. So that's why I think our viewpoint is valuable. So we used to offer uh, a two-week board and train, a three-week board and train, and a four-week board and train. And we would do everything from basic obedience training to off-leash reliability to leash aggression. And we would do all this in a board and train type of environment. And I've got to tell you, we were extremely successful with it. We made a lot of money on it. 
We helped a lot of clients with it. We trained a lot of dogs to a really high level with it. In fact, when we started offering our board and train, there were very few other positive trainers that had a board and train program at all. And after a while, we started noticing other positive trainers start to bring board and train programs online. And I couldn't swear that it was our influence that sort of got board and train going in the positive dog training community in my area. But it is an interesting coincidence that we were kind of the first ones to really go big at it and that I know of. And a lot of people followed. So I feel like the popularity of our board and train train program probably either directly or indirectly led some other trainers to open their own board and trains. So here's the thing. The, The biggest reason that people would ask for board and train is because, you know, they'd say like, we're traveling we just want to make the most of that time while we're gone and put our dog in board and train. So he learns something. And that is one of the pros of a board and train environment, right? It, it's kind of better than a daycare scenario or a boarding scenario <clears throat> where your dog is just, you know, constantly playing with other dogs or either that or locked in a kennel the whole time your dog's getting some work, some training. So that's one of the pros of it. That's legitimate. The other pro of it is that a good trainer can typically get your dog to a higher performance standard more quickly in a board and train environment than you can with private coaching or group classes. It's quick. You've got trainers who know what they're doing, ideally, working with your dog every single day, multiple times a day, And, you know, you're just not going to be able to beat that with private coaching or group classes from a performance standard per day of training type of scenario. But that's about all the pros of it, right? Is we can get your dog to a high standard quickly. And while you're traveling, you can make the most of the time. But I want to talk a little bit about the cons of it. So, One of the things that we figured out really early on is that a board and train without owner training is useless. And here's the reason why. It is entirely possible for me to be able to train your dog to do something and do it well, and then you get your dog back and it won't do a darn thing for you. And that's because there is a difference between what a dog knows how to do and what a dog agrees to do or decides to do. So your dog may learn pretty quickly with a trainer that, you know, hey, when the trainer does something, you know, I need to listen and blah, blah, blah. But I remember you when you tell me to do something, I don't really have to listen to you. Just like you as a human are capable of having different flavors of relationships with different people, your dog is capable of having different flavors of relationships with different people. And so again, just because your dog can do something, does not mean that it will. And so to fix this, we had to attach private coaching sessions to the board and train programs. And that went a long way to alleviate it, alleviate this issue. But it's still a little bit haphazard because just because we had three private coaching sessions to a board and train program doesn't mean that three private coaching sessions is all that you, the listener, 
needs in order to work with your dog correctly. You may need more. You may do your three sessions and it, it may not be enough. And, you know, we used to deal with this by comping people extra sessions if they needed it. Um, but that's one of the things that a lot of people don't realize is that if you put your dog in a board and train, that in no way um, <clears throat> diminishes the need for you to work with your dog to build the relationship that you need to build with your dog in order for your dog to function correctly with you. So that's the first con is if you're still going to have to do private coaching regardless or group classes or something, you're going to have to have instruction and work with your dog. Board and train is not going to absolve you from that. The other thing is the other con is there's certain things that a board and train isn't great at. And we found this to be particularly problematic. So a board and train is good at teaching your dog to do certain things for a trainer, such as sitting, laying down, coming when called, healing on a leash. What it's not good at is getting your dog to not surf the counters in search of food in your house, to not bark at your door when somebody comes to your door and rings the doorbell, to not nip at your hands too hard when you play with your dog, right? To not play too rough with your baby, uh, to not dig through the garbage cans. Board and train is not very good at this. Uh, even trainers who do board and train in their home. Now we had a large facility that we would do board and train in, but even trainers that just do one-off dogs in their home, that's great. And they actually may be able to get the dog to listen you know, to them and not exhibit these bad habits in their home. But when the dog comes back to you and your home, he's going to remember you and remember what the boundaries were or were not in your home. So regardless of whether it's a large board and train type of scenario or a small one-off type of thing or one dog at a time type of thing at a trainer's home, either way, uh, there's just things that a board and train cannot handle. Uh, board and trains are not great at handling environmentally specific problems or human specific issues. It's not good at dealing with that. It's, it's good at teaching the dog how to do things. It's not necessarily good at fixing all the things your dog shouldn't do in the home environment or shouldn't do with the owner. Another con is this, um, just, this is more from a maybe from a business owner's perspective, but I think that consumers can learn a lot from it too. Born and trains are regulated by the Department of Agriculture in Colorado and a, a subsection of that Department of Agriculture called PACFA, the Pet Animal Care Facility Act. And you've got to be light to run a board and train. You've got to be licensed by PACFA. And um, it costs a lot of money and you're subject to um, inspections at any given time. And that's good for the consumer. But as a business owner, it's a lot of expense and a lot of hassle. But I think in the case of PACFA, it's kind of like, you know, I think it prevents a lot of potential problems. But here's the thing is I know, I don't know quite what it's like now, but when we were doing board and train, there were a lot of trainers running under the radar without their PACFA license. And that can cause some serious issues. 
Um, if something happens to your dog and you know, the, they're not packed for regulated, you know, why'd you put your dog with them? You know, you've got some, you know, you've got some potential issues there legally. And so does the facility. If something happens to your dog and things can happen to your dog and board and train. I mean, you're talking about your dog being in a place with a person that you don't know for an extended period of time. And all you have to go on is your, your best calculation of whether or not they're going to be good to your dog. So pack for regulations. Now, there's also, I think, some uh, exceptions to the the necessity to have a pack for license. If you're if a trainer is just doing one dog at a time in their home, or maybe two dogs, there's there's some exceptions there, and you can check on it with the Department of Agriculture if you have questions. But here's the thing: if you're going to do a board and train, you do need to be checking with the Department of Agriculture and making sure you're dealing with a legitimate board and train outfit. Um, I kind of put that under the cons section, right? Because, you know, it's kind of a hassle for business owners and it's also a hassle or it's something that, you know, consumers need to be aware of. Another con is this, what I'm about to say doesn't necessarily apply to all trainers. There are some trainers like fetch masters who train to a very high performance standard, um, when you get, got a dog back from board and train from fetch masters, it could do a lot in difficult environments. And this may be so of any high performance dog trainer, you might send your dog to board and train and they may come back being able to do a lot of stuff. Now that doesn't mean they'll do it for you, but the dog should be capable. But most trainers are not high performance trainers. Most trainers are, have a fairly low performance standard for say a two week board and train, you know, your dog might be able to do a really basic sit and lay down and come when called and, you know, almost be able to walk on a leash. So in those kinds of situations with a lower, a low performance trainer, I, I don't know the right word to use here. You know, they they focus more on getting the dog to do some basics and dealing with manners issues and stuff like that. Um, they typically train to a lower performance standard in a given environment or a difficult environment. To me, this makes board and train little more than an expensive dog sitting gig. Um, you can almost, well, I'm not going to say this. So anyway, you got to wonder if your dollar that you're spending for dog training is worth what you're getting back when you get your dog back. And so I kind of felt like as a board and train trainer, when we would train a dog, the owner would get back a dog that was capable of some pretty crazy stuff. And so they got their performance dollar out of the training, but for trainers that are not training to a high performance standard, it's in my opinion, it's just a little more than an expensive dog sitting gig, uh, in, in what you get out of it. Another con is this, and to, now this is where I think that our experience and our willingness to be honest about it is important. Bearing in mind that I truly, truly, from the bottom of my heart, 
think we ran one of the highest quality board and train programs I have ever seen. But here's the thing, the stress that some dogs go through in board and train makes it a bad experience for them. It could have been a better experience. Um, you're away, you know, some dogs don't do well when they're away from their owner. Some dogs don't do well when they're surrounded by other kennels with a bunch of other dogs and trainers walking dogs up and down the aisles all the time. Some dogs don't do well, you know, if they haven't had correct environmental exposure and all of a sudden the trainer takes them outside to train them and the dog's stressed by everything, the cars, the houses, the, and, and you can't get past all of that stress quickly. Sometimes a dog would, you would think, you know, I want, I want to send my dog to board and train and I want it to be fine around cars and baby strollers and, you know, all of this stuff. But when your dog's only gone for a couple of weeks, that ain't enough time to get over all the things that stress some dogs. And so that causes the dog to learn more slowly. When the dog's having a bad experience, it's going to learn more slowly and that's, which leads to the other con, and that is that it, that stresses out the trainer because in our kind of training, you know, we're not training to, we're not saying, you know, give your dog to us for two, three or four weeks and you get back what you get back. We're saying you give your dog to us in two, three or four weeks and we're going to, your dog's going to come back being able to do X, Y, and Z. Well, in order to do that, trainers have to you know, really push hard to get a dog to that level. And it takes a lot of work, you know, a lot of training sessions per day. Um, and, and the trainer's stress, the trainers can, can get to the point where they're not in a good mood, where they don't enjoy their job on a particular day or working with a particular dog on a particular day. And it's sad, but it's true. It's not easy to train dogs that just weren't cut out for board and train. And, you know, we got to the point in our board and train where we were trying to really ferret out, you know, this dog will probably do good. This dog probably won't. But <clears throat> sometimes you just never know until the dog's in the board and train environment. And if you're going out of town and you're leaving your dog with a trainer to train, it, once that dog's dropped off, it's kind of too late, right? And so the dog's just there and has to deal with it. So, that was two of the cons of it is it's a lot of stress on the dogs and it's a lot of stress on the trainers. In fact, we lost some trainers during our board and train program because it was so much work getting dogs to our, our performance standard. I think in the end it was just draining. Okay. So for what it's worth, that's a little bit of an inside picture of what it can be like for a trainer doing board and train. Now, here's the thing is trainers will never, never tell you that. Oh no, we'll make your dog comfortable. Your dog will have a great time. Um, but a, a trainer can't predict that. A, a, a trainer can't predict how quickly a dog will become comfortable. A trainer cannot predict whether or not a dog is going to have a good time. And just because we talk in a giddy voice to the dog and pull out treats and toys doesn't mean the dog's going to like it. So sometimes it's just too much for a dog and the dog doesn't enjoy it. And not everybody's dog is like that. Some dogs could care less if you're gone, right? They, they're happy, go lucky, and you're not a part of that equation. 
and then that's fine. Right. But a lot of dogs are not like that. <clears throat> Another thing <clears throat> that we ran into issues with from time to time were when people were traveling and, you know, maybe their dog would get sick and they're out of town. So now the emergency begins, right? And you're gone and you can't do anything about it. And you got to trust the trainer to handle it and what they see as the best timeline. Um, or like in our case, we had vets that would come to our facility if we needed it and check on the dogs. But in a way, it's kind of like sending a child to kindergarten. The kid's going to get sick, right? And dogs get sick. They get not only do they get sick from viruses going around and stuff like that, they might, that that they might pick up from other dogs, but then if you take a dog and you put them under stress, they're going to be more likely to get sick. So, you know, I mean, I think all in all, we did a really good job and we didn't have a lot of sick dogs, but we did get sick dogs. Uh, we would have dogs that come down with stuff and it was always stressful for us and stressful for the owners. Then you got to convince the owner that it's not your fault, right? That it's, it's, uh, it's just the nature of the situation. Just like if you take your dog to boarding, it might get something. So there's all that. <clears throat> and then this is just academic, but another con is that there's always the unknown, right? The truth of the matter is you really don't know how your dog is being treated. And I can tell you, as a person who did board and train, we tried to treat dogs really, really well, but I would be hesitant to bring my own dog to a board and train just because I love her so much. And unless I just really personally knew the trainer and really knew that that trainer would not, you know, do anything scary to my dog, I'd be hesitant. And in the end, all you have to go by is your gut feeling, your research reviews, which are often you know, faked and, you know, that kind of thing. Um, or, you know, or, or reviews that maybe should have been given, haven't been given. I don't know. But the truth is, is that you only know what you actually know and you can't know what you don't know sometimes. And so, you know, that's a little bit of a scary aspect to it too. So <clears throat> because of these cons, I'm not saying don't bring your dog to a board and train and it, it may seem like that, but that's really the truth of the matter is I've only got two cons and let's see, one, two, three, four, um, I'm sorry, two pros and one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight cons, but that's just the way it is. I mean, that's the nature of board and train. And if I had to start a board and train up right now, we could do it. We could do it, uh, well, and you know, we could, we could make money at it, but I don't know if we want to, right? This is something that we struggle with. We still talk about, and, you know, COVID-19 vaccinations are coming along and we're about to start to have them to make a call on whether or not we want to do board and train. But now we have a new paradigm that we use. We call it the total dog program. And, uh, it, it's not as quick as a board and train, but it's way quicker than you might think. It's very, very fast. Um, at Fetchmasters, we've always trained to a, a high performance standard very quickly. And it's because of our working dog background, right? We started training hunting dogs, not pet dogs. And so we kind of started out seeking 
you know, how can we get this dog from point A to point B in a difficult environment as quickly as possible? And that's just part of the way we function. So we're good at that. So we're fast, even without board and train. But here's the thing is, a lot of people don't realize this, but running a serious board and train facility is, I don't, I don't remember, I wish Linda were here doing this podcast with me. Um, she would remember, but I think it was something like thirty or forty thousand dollars a month in overhead, and that's heating the building, um, paying the trainers, and all the other expenses that go into having a really larger scale board and train. And I think we could board and train something like twenty four dogs at a time. Um, so without the board and train, we actually have way less overhead. Now the training we do now is less expensive by far than what our board and train was, but we do more of it. Uh, now we have like 70, 80 dogs going at a time where back then we would only have 24, I think. And so, you know, monetarily, it's not that much different. And there's a whole, well, monetarily it's less, but there's also so much less overhead that it, it equalizes. So anyway, that's part of our new paradigm. It's also less stressful on us as owners in a lot of other ways, right? We, we don't have to stay on trainers to make sure they're getting a dog, you know, from point A to point B every single day. Um, we're able to let the trainers relax a little bit. Um, and as owners, we're able to be relaxed a little bit, right? There's less emergencies to deal with. There's less training problems to deal with. There's less, you know, instances of, I can't get this dog to do this. What's wrong with this dog? There's less issues of that. And so frankly, it's just a whole lot less stressful to not have a board and train. It's a lot less stressful on our trainers. Um, I think that now our trainers far more enjoy what they do. Um, it's just more enjoyable. I can just tell you, it's more enjoyable to train with private coaching or group classes than it is to train as a board and train trainer. And so who would you rather have train your dog? Someone who's enjoying it or someone who's just struggling through it. Um, it's far less stressful for the dogs. Like I, I, when I go outside and I watch our trainers train now, uh, everybody's happy. Dogs are happy. Um, and they're happy for the whole training session, right? It used to be dogs would be happy when you take them outside and you put them back in, in the kennel. And, you know, there, a lot of them would start to stress out again and, you know, different dogs had different dynamics. That's just one, you know, possibility, but that was probably the primary, you know, situation. And now, you know, the owners arrive with their dogs, they're happy, they train, they're happy, they leave, they're happy, right? It's just less stressful. And I think that's better for the dog. And the dogs learn extremely quickly because we're not under so much pressure to de-stress these dogs. We don't have to spend as much time de-stressing these dogs. And I think that makes the time more productive. And so it really holds to our, or it really helps us to continue achieving our standards of taking the dogs a long way really quickly. It's easier to do when the dog's happy. So I would say that while it takes a little bit longer, our total dog program is as good 
if not better than the training we were able to do in board and train. And we were able to do really good training in board and train. And yet I think our current total dog program program is actually better. Um, there's some reasons for that. Uh, owners in the end become better dog owners because we are able to dedicate much more time to them, right? It's not just, you got us for three sessions after your dog's board and train program. Now we see owners a lot more and we can help them a lot more and we can interact with them a lot more and get to know them a lot more and teach them a lot more. And they end up being more capable of dealing with the difficulties that their dogs present them with. Um, So in that way, that's way better than board and train ever was. Another thing is our current um, program. When you have, when you have every trainer incredibly busy with dogs every single day, trying to get dogs to a certain standard, um, there's limitations to what other things the trainer can accomplish, right? The trainer's got to get on the, on track, get the goals done, get the dog to do a sit stay to such and such a distance, a down stay for such and such amount of time, you know, heal without pulling. The trainer's trained to get all that done. And so that's all they've got time for. If they're going to pull it off, if they're going to be a performance trainer, they're going to have to spend all their time pulling that off. But just the nature of our current training provides a magnitude of distractions that we were unable to expose the dog to in the board and train environment. Um, We're able to expose the dog to more other dogs, to more people, to more other animals, uh, to uh, more environmental exposures, all kinds of things because of the nature of our current total dog program. And so in that way, that's better than board and train too. And frankly, it's less money per performance level than what a person would pay in board and train. And like I said, because our overhead is so much less, that becomes sustainable. So what I've tried to do here is give you a feel for what it's like succeeding with board and train and what it's like succeeding without board and train. And we've done both and we've done both well. And if I had to choose, I think I prefer without board and train, not from just a business owner's perspective, not just from a dog trainer's perspective, but also from a client's perspective. I think that what we're offering now is just superior in certain ways. So hopefully this podcast has been thought provoking and given you some insider perspective on board and train. And hopefully it'll help you to make the decision that is best for you and your dog and your particular training needs. Again, uh, I hope I don't come across as too slanted here. Uh, Having done both and having succeeded at both, I'm certainly not about to say that, you know, all board and trains are bad. Don't ever send your dog to a board and train. I think there's some dogs and some board and train trainers that could do a good job at it uh, to a certain degree. And I'm, I'm certainly not saying that board and train is, you know, fantastic and you can't beat it because the truth is there's some things board and train is not very good at. And there's some dogs that it it's just not a great idea for. So 
take the information and do what you will with it. But most of all, thank you for listening to this podcast. Thank you for listening to the Fetch Masters Dogcast. Don't forget to click your subscribe button and please leave us a review. You can find us online at fetchmasters.com, facebook.com slash fetchmasters, and instagram.com slash fetchmasters. If you need help with your dog training, please feel free to fill out the contact form at fetchmasters.com and we'll see what we can do to help you.